We don't know what we doing Oh, we jump to these conclusions The thought that we could lose it all We search for sweet confusion Like baby, you should call Welcome, welcome. This is Simply King Podcast. This is your boy Rodney Perry King himself. And you've just tuned into the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for humans simply being humans. And today is a special one yet again. I have hell of a guest, a guest that I'm so glad to have because I know she is definitely probably going to be one of the biggest resources that so many people who are going to watch and listen to this are. And I'm just finding out. Because I, I was going to already ask the question of like what the VP stands for. So I'm glad you're not one of them people who keep it on, on lock. You know what I'm saying? Because it's, it's hell of a name. That's all I'm saying. I like the name. It's hell of a name, though. It's like giving it's giving like homage to the, you know, to the previous generation, but very much still new. And yeah. it's a lot. It's a lot of going on. It's really like, look, we're going to this baby going go places. She's going to represent everybody. So get out of my own way. I have here with me uh, social media strategist, entrepreneur, dope ass, mom, creative, and so many other hyphens. Just so many other hyphenations. I have here with me VP Wright. How you doing, girl? How you doing? Hey, King. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, Yeah, Victoria Pearl. Victoria Pearl. You brought the legal that's hell. That's hell of a. That's hell of a name, girl. What t- now? First, I just want to know about that yeah, first. Like, yeah. what? What did that come from? Why did your parents name you Victoria Pearl? Why did my mother? Because my father did not have a choice in that one. I was <laughs> the eldest, and he had more influence on my brother's name, but not mm. mine. So. <laughs> I see. I see. Um, so I was initially actually supposed to be named Nicole. Uh, I found that out later in life. I was supposed to be a Nicole because I was supposed to be a twin. And the twin ended up passing. That's how they found out that they were pregnant with me. Oh, my God. Right? That's wild. Yeah. Uh, That's the first part of the miracle. The second part of the miracle was I was born two months early and I weighed 2.3 pounds. Oh, my God. So I was in like NICU for three months after being born until I was at an acceptable weight to go home with my my parents. and then the third part is that my name, Victoria hyphen Pearl, I'm named after my aunt, Vicky, and my grandmother, Pearl. And my mother wanted names that could go, like you said, go forward in life. Us being multiracial, multicultural kids, we are, we, we're black facing humans, right? So mm-hmm. like, yeah. it's, it was one of those scenes where like, if we're on the phone and we have that name on our resume and we're doing things in life, she wanted regal names. So I'm Victoria Pearl and my brother is Alexander Charles. And so you Ooh, quite literally have yeah, Victoria and Alexander. That's fly. I like that. I like that. I like that. Vicky, Vicky is such a, uh, a auntie name too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> Aunt, I don't, Aunt I don't Vicky. go by that name. Yeah, I don't go by that name. You can call me V. You can call me VP. My family used to call me Tori growing up. I don't go by that name anymore either. I'm either V or VP. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love that. I always, I always think it's intriguing because I, I've, I feel like my name, my name is very much, you know, very, I feel like my name is the same rule that everybody else that I've met named Rodney have <laughs> the exact same story. They were named after their father and that's it. Getting in. 
I've never I've mm-hmm. only met seniors who are the senior because they, their son has their same name or I've met juniors. I've never met people who are just like, no, nah, my name Rodney. My mom just named me that. It's never that. <laughs> it's an old ass name. The name was popular in the 60s and things. So you ain't gonna meet too many young ass Rodney's like if now anybody listening to this, if you know if you named your baby Rodney, let me know. Cause that'll make me that'll warm my heart. <laughs> if it ain't nobody in your family, you ain't got no uncle's name right, no granddaddies, no shit like that, and you just like the name, let me know. Keeping it alive, you know what I'm saying? Cause it's 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 just a thing. It's a thing. But no, um, nevertheless, let's keep talking about you. Um, I would love to know. You know, are you originally from Texas, or did you were you born somewhere else? Mm, so I was born in Third Ward, Houston, Texas. Come on, Third Ward. Um, Yes, the tray. The tray. Um, you know, me, Beyonce, and all the all the other folks who claim Third Ward, right? But um Third Ward, Houston, Texas. Um, my dad is a graduate of Texas Southern University. My mom was a graduate of University of North Texas. Um, ironically, they both lived in New York and worked on a project together before they met, uh, like about a year or but they both were from Texas. Yeah, they both from Texas, living in New York. Damn. They meet in New York, they met here in Houston. Wild. Um, yeah. I was born here in Houston. Uh, three year, three and a half, four years later, moved to Washington State when my brother was born, um, and was raised in the wheat fields of Washington State. Um, so wheat it's so fields. it's odd because like. I was in a household. We speak English and Spanish in my household. Um, we're moving from Houston to, to basically like a farm town. That's like a little blue dot in a sea of red, if that makes sense. It makes sense. Because um, it's a college town. It makes sense. 10,000 people live there when the students are in town, um, if that. Uh, and I was the only black kid in my class for a very long time. So like... Mm a lot of assimilation happened in the process as well as like, uh, just, just a lot of cultural removal and trying to figure out who I was as a person and which I took a very long time. And, um, that's why I sound the way that I sound. That's, that's why I can code switch the way that I code switch. Mm, okay. <laughs> it's a very useful tool. <laughs> I, I hear, I hear. <laughs> I, I think that's dope. Uh, and I think it's interesting to, to speak to code switching from a standpoint of, you know, as a tool, because I think um, so many people have made that particular topic into something that can be divisive amongst black people. Like you sound a particular way and it kind of like questions your blackness yes. and all these other things. But in reality, uh, it's just different gradients of the thing. You know, we all right. I think we all kind of uh, naturally, not even intentionally, sometimes kind of present ourselves in a particular way so we can, you know, appear and show up in a particular way. Cause the last thing we really want in certain uh, corporate and workspaces is for uh, people to continuously acknowledge that we are the black people in the room. Right. Um, which is, you know, it is what it is, but I understand the reasoning behind it. And I'm terrible at it, to be honest with you. <laughs> I've, I've always been, um, and I didn't notice it until my friends used to like call me in the middle of, you know, in the middle of the day or during my lunch break. And I would be telling them that I'm, you know, eating with one of my coworkers or whatever, whatever. And just talking to how I'm just talking how I talk to them. And they would be like, Rodney, like, you know, you really don't ever like turn it off. Like, do you are you like this in meetings and things? I was like, 
I mean, when I think about it, I think I am, you know, because they definitely, I've definitely, it's definitely been moments where they like, hold on, you say what now? Or they need me to repeat <laughs> something or they need me to say it in a different way. So I'm like, I must not be speaking in a particular way, but I, I think it's, uh, it's worked out for the most part for me because it's, I, I don't have to have that um, feeling of feeling like, damn, how, how long have I been acting? How long have mm. I have been having to switch these things up to appear a particular way? And I think, if anything, it it speaks to my overall story how how corporate America really never uh, gelled well with my personality anyway. Mm. But you know, that's my old chestnut. More about you. Um. So, in terms of like you know the creative, the creative things that you do, you you've done, and how it kind of assists you now. I would love yeah. to know kind of you know how did what made you get to this particular point now where you are essentially not only helping and kind of helping other creatives and things like that. Is that something that you've always done? It's always been a part of your process. Like you made things and created things on your own, but always was into collaboration. Tell me yeah. more about what was this knack of um, being able to kind of assist creatives in certain ways. Cause I don't think that's a skill that every creative has. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. So like I've been working with, people in the creative industry my entire life. I, I like saying that it started when I was 12. I um got DJ training from a really well-known DJ down here, DJ Superstar, uh, who Come on, DJ Superstar. DJ Superstar, yeah. I, I love her to death. She's amazing. Um, so she DJs now for Magic 102.1 down here in Houston um, and mm -hmm. does a whole bunch of massive work. But back whenever I was 12, she was DJ. She was a DJ for my youth church. And um, I got with her and got lessons from her and also started doing audio production, just learning via YouTube, which back then YouTube wasn't what it was back then. Whereas now this is like, what, 2007, 2008. Mm. Um, so I started learning how to use GarageBand and various other tools um, via YouTube. And so I was teaching myself audio production and also learning from my dad, different composition and things like that. Um, and simultaneously was also writing songs and writing poetry, mm. um, doing a lot of dance. I'm classically trained. I've been dancing since I was two years old. Come on. Um, very act yeah. Active in sports. Um, and then doing theater and choir. So I like, so and acting and all of that. So I was doing all of that, um, as a child growing up. And when I got into high school, I, I joined a community band, uh, called Caliente with Adidas Music Institute down here. And, they specialized in Cuban and Puerto Rican music. And mm. so I was around nothing but Cuban and Puerto Rican people for four straight years going and working with, um, oh my goodness, uh, <laughs> these huge influential saucedos and massive uh, grandfathers and, and grandmothers of salsa music here in the mm. Americas. So we got to work with Sheila E. We got to work with, um, oh my goodness, <sighs> Sorry, he just passed away too. Um, you're gonna have to edit this because now my my brain is blanking because I'm nervous. We got to work with Roberto Dorena. We got to work with Johnny Pacheco. Mm. We got to work with Bobby Valentin. So many like massive humans, and like and I think the reason why I just got nervous now because those humans are gone. Yeah, and. I think about being 15 and 16 years, 13, 14, 15, 16, being on stage with these people who back when my grandparents 
were coming up, like that's when they were making their impact on this planet as creative entrepreneurs, right? Mm. This is these are the same people that worked with Celia Cruz. So like it's it's like the pioneers. They working with the, the pioneers. pioneers of a yeah. whole of, of Latin jazz. Yeah. And it it blows my mind that like I got to share a stage with with these people and have conversations with them. But then also that was the first time I was around other Afro Latinos. And mm. like being able to see that Latina looked different like it could look like me right yeah yeah. um and you know that really pushed me to get more community driven just because i was around a community band for so long during those four years also danced for a salsa team during that time too Mm. um and so when i got to college i kind of shifted away from creativity not a whole lot but just pivoted where it was being executed towards how i do things now so that makes sense when I was in college, I started running a dance company. I ran a dance company for four years and we just worked with people who wanted to dance. So I literally was like, if you can't dance, we will come in and teach you. And we taught them everything, ballet, jazz, salsa, hip hop, um, tap was brought in at one point, modern, contemporary, et cetera. We did everything. We collaborated with a whole other dance team on campus as well and did combined shows where basically we were rebuilding the dance department that my mom once led on this campus that got defunded um oh my god that we were gone away from the campus so i went back what a full circle moment yes (laughs) the intention of i'm going to rebuild this this department basically right um and we started the process of that happening and the university recreation program ended up taking on that that portion when i left more and more which is cool up until the pandemic hit. Um, but uh, students, we ran that. And it was cool to go in and choreograph and learn the logistics and do all the graphic design and, and help create the logo and then get the, sh- the shirts shipped off. And I started learning the logistical aspects of how to run a business mm. by running my dance company, right? Yeah. Simultaneously, I also took on positions as a resident advisor and got trained on how to interact with people. Little did I know is that's where the seed for coaching came from, right? I was the director of um, Crimson Leadership VIP, which was a program I built from scratch, like from the ground, from an outline that my my boss gave me and built this year-long program for sophomore and junior students. Um, And that's where the leadership development and curriculum building came from. And then also built out a four-year program with my supervisor, who was also a student. And we built out this four-year curriculum for folks who were going from um, the beginning program to the senior level program, right? I also was a director of diversity and diversity and inclusion um, as a student for the Associated Students of Washington State University, which is our student government. And so I did that for a year and also did the student life program for a year prior to that. I did a lot of work during this time uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. student affairs. Yeah, uh, yeah, I hope you was getting big, big checks. Cause golly, you <laughs> for a 20-year-old, right? Right. Like, like you got a lot of responsibility. Yeah, a lot of responsibility, but like was developing programs and going through the curriculum development and and fundraising $24,000 for um, a multicultural conference and all these things. And I was seeing in real time how you could intersect diversity, equity, inclusion, and anti-racism with creative works like graphic design and audio editing and combinations with collaboration and community, right? Bringing in student groups and helping them get lineups to perform, hiring guests, hiring hosts, building concerts out, all of these things for four straight years. Mm -hmm. And when I graduated, no one would hire me because I was pregnant with my son. I was seven months pregnant. Oh my God. 
and I graduated with a 3.6 GPA. I graduated with honors with this massive resume and all this involvement and all these awards and all these accolades and no one would hire me because I was pregnant. I did not think this is where you was going with this VP. <laughs> I did not. I, I did not think that's where this story was going. But continue. I am. I am locked in. <laughs> I was Lord. I was depressed, and and at this point, I'm married. I'm pregnant. I'm thinking I'm about to graduate college and, and find a really great job because I just put and I just worked my ass off for four years right yeah. also being black and queer like there's there's so many so many layers to this right but I kept I, I had seven leads for roles that would pay at least 60 grand right a year yeah. so that's what was my goal is to find a position in that place and no one would hire me because the exact same thing was over and over again we love you but your due date is too close to the start date your due date is too, is too close to the start date. Really? And so I didn't get hired. And I was in a situation where it's like, you know, we have we have our my savings that I, I kind of have, but my ex, my now ex-husband and I, um, husband at the time, were going through it financially because we were 22 and trying to start a family and married and moved back down here to Houston, which I did not want to do. <laughs> and... Um, I was supposed to go to grad school. I couldn't afford to do that. I was going to go to Seattle University to get my graduate degree in higher education. Couldn't do it. So we came back down here and moved in with my mom. And then we lost my house. Uh, we lost our home in Harvey three weeks later. After right, four, we, gave, we came home from Washington State after driving down there in a three-day drive. Uh, and I was seven. I was eight months pregnant at that point. Four days later, later after arriving here, I gave birth to my son. He was a week early, um, and then three weeks after that, we lost our house in Harvey. Oh my God! Where the book at? Where's I'm the book? <laughs> oh my God, VP! Lost the house in Harvey. Um, uh. We were homeless for that point for for eight for eight months, and staying with a family member of my ex husband's and. During that time, uh, what, literally week eight of my son turning eight weeks eight weeks old, I was so depressed and I, I felt like I lost my identity because I got thrown into so many things with no help, had postpartum depression, all of these things. And imagine. my son turned, yeah, it was bad. My son turned eight weeks old and I said, I'm going to find a job. During that eighth week was the first time we went out somewhere because I felt comfortable because my son was doing well. And I felt okay to leave him for a few hours. And I walked into Cafe Zo, which was this coffee shop and music venue mm -hmm. um, that hosted an open mic that uh, a nonprofit writer's block, my husband, my ex-husband and I volunteered for. Okay. And we went to the open mic, we walk in, go to the open mic, the vibe is great. The vibe, it's a black owned coffee shop and music venue. There's black art on the wall. Yes. Coffee is amazing. The vibe is dope. It reminds me of like a Spanish coffee shop, right? I meet the owner. Um, and he literally at that moment says, if anyone does audio engineering, come over here and we can do an interview on spot. And I'm a whole audio engineer. Right. So I just walked over. I killed my interview. I got hired and that job that working with the small business, that contract job, led to be managing that space for three years. Mm. And my boss was the one that suggested that I should be the one that starts the business that helps do creative mentorship because of my experience. He was the one that encouraged me to do it. That's where yeah. it started. That's where all of that started. 
I love yes. that. It's, I love that this is paying off. This story is not because uh, this is this would have been too much. I would have had to hold on. You all right? Let's let's. Uh, where is this going? Because I am not about to record. I am not about to record. Tyler Perry the podcast because <laughs> this is so much. And and kudos for you to for you know standing tall, still you know persevering. And, and I think so much, you know, these days we always speak to, you know, the strength of black women and all these different things and how it's so much y'all shouldn't have to go through. Um, but but it, it still has to be applauded when you do make it through certain things, because God, Lee, I can't only imagine. Um, damn, girl. This is a story. Part I know. This is a story though. God, Lee. We that all the time. They're like, okay, so where's the where's the the book or where's the miniseries? We, yeah, we, we need yeah, we need there. we need yeah. This is this 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 is potent. This is potent. <laughs> you hear me? It's a lot going on, but it, it's a lot going on in a good way. Like it's it's in, it's very inspiring, and it's it's a situation of like speaking to how the world really feels. Yeah. About a particular, you know, particular people and how you can work so hard and do so much and do so many of the right things. And that still feel like that's not enough, you know, mm-hmm. um, or, or they hold choices and decisions that aren't even honestly even bad decisions um, against you because they have a particular connotation to them because um, yeah. they might not serve them in some way, shape or form. Uh, it's trash. It's truly trash. Bias is powerful. Bias is powerful. Hell when yeah. You bi- when you combine pi- bias with power, that level of repression, oh my God. Oh man. Oh man. I'm that's a trip. That is such a trip. I'm, I'm, I'm almost, let me, let me get back to my outline. Where was I? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I took, you asked, who is VP? VP gives you the first of like six chapters and it's like, here's what we got here. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a good, I mean, you still gave me a good segue. I'm good. I think I'm pretty decent at this, at this point. Oh, sorry. So, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. But it's just like, damn, when you break it down like that, you know, when you break it down in full and in detail, it really does intrigue you on, um, just the person that you are, you know? Um, but let's, let's, let's tap into, you know, just the aspect of, you know, kind of where you are now and, and what's, and a lot of things that you're doing, because you mentioned mm. to me in the pre-interview how basically kind of just, you know, kind of had this moment where you were like, let me get serious about, you know, your digital presence and all these various things. And you made it your business to figure this shit out. Um, in terms of especially just, you know, how how to utilize social media to build community to, you know, actually create a business where social media is a really heavy aspect to that in a really, really uh, true, thoughtful and helpful way. Tell me about what was it that kind of, you know, sparked that idea for you to lead into the business and, and allow for social media to be a big part of the strategy for you to retain um, yeah. and, and, and re- retain all of the different, you know different things that you really need for that business. Yeah. So I think something to know with social media for one is that social media is the most freest useful tool you can use to build community. Mm. It, It is the most powerful tool and it's also the most toxic. Like, (laughs) like it's talk about it. It's insane how you can use this tool to make 
so much money or free up so much time or share Mm -hmm. so many resources or teach so many people and simultaneously feel so dragged and bogged down and burdened by social media. Mm. And the more I have gotten into my business and really looked at all of the layers that have been involved in my social media, like strategy and presence, the more I think about, okay, what are ways I can really just use these tools for specific purposes versus putting all of my eggs in one basket? Because when I started off, I was really focused on building a presence on Instagram. Yeah. Very, very focused on that. And that was because for me, my, I felt like my target audience was there. I already had a really great audience there. Whenever I, um, was first starting this building process, I was still really leaning heavy into the poetry piece of things. So like, for example, if you go on my Instagram right now, you'll see the current rebrand that's happening, which is like literally completely different from everything else I've ever done. But if you swipe up, you'll see my previous branding and everything I've done for the last two years. And if you go further, you'll see all of my poetry I did for two years prior to that. And then if you go further, you'll see my very first post when I was in college, just trying to figure this shit out like everybody else because Instagram wasn't really Instagram like that at that Mm. point, right? Yeah. It was 2013. So, you know, I I, I put everything there because it's a journey, but at the point that I started and I was really building community, I was still a poet. So Mm. I wasn't doing anything but sharing my words for free for two years straight. Share my words. I like that. That's all I did. I just shared my words. And for a while, it was my words and a picture of me, which I when I figured out, added a lot of pressure. So I just started sharing words. And that, that started hitting people in a way I didn't think actually could hit them. And I was getting DMs and messages from people like with, with the specific poem being them saying, I needed this today. Mm. And getting messages on Facebook saying, you know, I've been reading your poetry for months and like, I look forward to your posts. Like, I didn't think I could have an impact on someone like that. And it was hundreds of people up to to the point when I actually launched my business, it was 1,500 people who were following me. So I didn't start my business from scratch. And I want to make sure that's very clear. I started my business with people who were already watching me for two years. And when you think about it, like, for example, an auditorium, if you walk into an auditorium of 1500 people, that's scary as shit. Yeah. Like that's scary. So like I treated my people as I was growing my following, like I was walking into that and I just showed up for them at that point. It was every day. I was writing every single day for two years. Mm. Um, and when I got pregnant with my daughter, I got so depressed because it was an unplanned pregnancy. Um, I had just, there was one business I started before this that I was just getting off the ground and, and the, pregnancy, the pregnancy threw everything off. And so I, I couldn't focus and I was depressed and I was sad. And one of my mm. best friends, who's a, a musician, um, and an artist and so many other things. Her name is Shay Davis. Please go look her up. She's incredible. Um, Shout out to Shay. Called- hey, Shay. Hey, Shay. <laughs> S-H-A-D-A-V-I-S. That's her handle, too. Gotcha. She called me and she said, bitch, if you don't get your ass up off the ground, we are going to have a problem. <laughs> and if, if, if Shay's calling you in that way, and you're like, that, that means you're really not, you're really not on it. 
Mm. That's my best friend. She doesn't talk to me like that. Like that. At that point, she didn't talk to me like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, so oh, I'm messing up. Right. Um, but that's good. So, Shout out to Shay yeah. for being a friend, you know? Yes. Like, like I, that's, and I keep people around me who hold me accountable because I need to be held accountable. Yeah. And like, I needed to, I needed to get out of that funk. And she literally just talked to me and brought me out of that funk. Mm-hmm. And so, we announced my our pregnancy like five months after, well, yeah, five months after I had been pregnant at that point. And I started showing up again and talking about just like the heaviness that has come through it. Cause I still was struggling with postpartum depression from my first pregnancy. My, my kids are 18 months apart, really heavy. Yeah. And was talking about it again. And after I had my daughter, I, I, I felt this just overwhelming feeling to write to my old self. Like there were so many things I wanted to tell like 17 year old me. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I did, I was, I was writing the book and I, and I wrote it in two days. Um, I published it in two weeks on Amazon prime. Mm. Um, and I let my folks know on Instagram. I was like, Hey, I'm doing this. I don't think I'm going to do a launch party. I'm just going to put it out in the first day, the first month it sold eight copies. <laughs> it's just, that was it. It was, it was eight copies. Right. Yeah. Um, but the more that I posted about it and talked about it and shared about it, um, the more traction it got. And by that month that we actually did the launch for it, it had sold 500 copies, which most books do not do that. Mm. Most books do not sell, sell 500 copies at that, right? And so I'm like, okay, cool. This is a whole process that really worked out. And during that summer that I was launching this book, I had hired a business coach because I realized that my job that I absolutely loved wasn't going to be my sole level of income if I was going to be the person that was providing a majority of the income for my family. And I've, I've always have been, I, I kind of real, like leaned and realized that I was going to be a breadwinner. So I've leaned into that heavily. And so mm. I hired a business coach who aligned to my values. Um, I got on an extended payment plan and she helped me through it. And she helped me figure out the strategy piece of what I wanted for myself. I knew I wanted something community driven. I knew I wanted something that, that was really tailored towards more folks of color or assisting people of color, right? I knew I wanted something that I could be myself on. And even if I felt like I would stray away from that, because like I said, social media can be toxic. And if you, if you fall into the loops of things, exactly. it can be hard to, it can be hard to just cycle out of that and, and, and dive into your own space. Right. So like I, I did, I, I, I explored and I've been exploring for now three years of building this business using my social media platforms and now being present on other social media platforms and having a YouTube and people follow me on YouTube, which is weird because I get random follows now there (laughs) or subscribers from videos I've done now two years ago because they're still relevant and they're evergreen, right? Exactly. Um, I have the podcast and my podcast is three years old and people still listen to it on a regular basis. Now I'm going to start doing new episodes on there. I just recorded an episode for that with a friend of mine earlier today. Um, you know, there's ways to create and use social media to grow, but simultaneously, you don't want to put all of your eggs into your social media. You really have to lean into what does a a marketing strategy and a content strategy that works for me actually look like. It's not going to be posting every single day. Some folks can do that. Me, I have two kids that are about to be under the age of five. Mm. One of them starts kindergarten in the fall. 
do I look like I'm about to post every single day? Hell no. Nah. I'm not about to post every single day. If I'm posting, it's about to be something that's valuable and it's going to get me paid. Which right now it's reels. Reels and reels bonuses will get me paid. So <laughs> that's what I will focus on. If I'm about to be on my platform every day, like a platform like Instagram, it'll be in my stories. And people love my stories. They like how I'm able to storytell and incorporate all of the things that I'm about myself in my stories. I'm very personal there. I'm not posting every single day, though. Yeah. It doesn't make sense for me. I'm not going to do three times a day. It doesn't make sense for me. Exactly. I will do what's consistent for me, though, and I'll communicate that as effectively as I can with my community. And I've built a community of uh, 7,500 people now that are it's organic. It's not paid ads. It's anything else. It's just people who I know. I've talked to almost every single person that follows me, which is wild. That's wild to me. Um so I think, you know, it takes time and it takes figuring out what you actually want. If you want a following of 50,000 50, people, what are you going to do to make sure you can get, have your account seen by 500,000 to get mm. to that 50? Because mm. you need 20%, you want 20%, right? Yeah. How do you, how do you get that virality? What does that look like? Where do you, where does your target audience actually exist on? It may not be Instagram, it might be TikTok. I had a friend who was trying to, blow up on Instagram for two years and it didn't take till year three for her to realize that her humans were on TikTok the whole time and she went over there and blew up and now her business is doing so well because of that right yeah that might that might be that might be uh something I need to tell myself you know what I'm saying because Instagram Instagram has been in Instagram has been um hell of a thing and I've been having so many conversations with different people and uh being able to connect with people like yourself validates validates my presence and what I've been doing for so long because it's like okay because if you go and you look at the people I've had on my podcast it's a lot of great amazing fucking people yeah. and people who have established followings who have garnered great attention um, on social media off of social media have gotten deals have partnered with different companies have done some real cool shit and it's funny because I meet people and, they, and they're trying to figure out why certain things aren't connecting. They was like, how are you not like, you know, because you're able to meet these people, connect with these people. These people seem to like you and be fond of the content you make. I'm like, look, I don't know. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I understood it all the way uh, sometimes. But um, but I've had a, a tumultuous time on Instagram specifically. Yeah. Because it feels like uh, it just feels like the algorithm really isn't for people who are giving a particular type of content. I think my content mm. is definitely, uh, it's definitely black. It's definitely, you know, I think I'm, I only thing that makes me somewhat of a niche is because I am like a, like a cis head black man trying to do these things. I can imagine how different it would be if I was, you know, if I showed up in a different way, possibly finding, being able to find um, similar or like-minded community within those spaces and places. Because the fact of the matter is the fact that I'm talking about what I'm talking about and having progressive conversation, um, I'm still I still have these particular privileges. So mm -hmm. I think that that those things sometimes may not always translate. Um, but that's a that's a real good note, though. Like maybe it ain't maybe that's not it. Maybe that's not where I need to be. And maybe I need to focus in on another particular thing. But I do believe that that's the the rules that you kind of get with social media. It's like, you know that there's a certain amount of number of people here. You see what people are being able to do and all these various things. So you don't want to cut that out of your overall strategy. But you right. said something to me, even in our pre-interview, that made me really like open my mind up to, um, because I feel like I've grown out of 
my sense of frustration around social media. I feel like I could really create from a space that feels like me. I don't really trip off if I don't post a certain day or whatever. I just do me. Yeah. End of the day, I got to do me. So with that being said, I think for me, I, I you said something to me about like finding non-algorithmic. She was like, if algorithms really aren't your thing, maybe find something non-algorithmic. I was like, damn, I ain't never think of that. Like, like, yeah. like, like I never thought to do that because in my mind, I'm like, I have content, I post content because to me, it should be a game of effort more than it is this kind of, you know, playing, playing, playing this puzzle piece with your own content in the community of people who, you know, possibly uh, mm-hmm. may be on this particular platform. Because to me, it doesn't make sense. It's like there's so many casual people on Instagram and all these various apps who are just casually spectating and liking and commenting on the things they like and comment on. They don't care less. They can care less about having a bunch of followers and all those different things. And those are the people who are the podcast listeners who are going to buy certain merch, who are going to contribute to certain things. So it shouldn't be weird for them on that app, on the app. But when you want to start stepping out from being a casual user into some type of either creator, business owner, whatever it is on this particular app, it should be this like loop, like these all these loops and hoops to jump through um, to do it. Because the fact of the matter is the average person is not posting that much it's not doing that much if at all or if at all so it's like as soon as you pump it up as soon as you change that account in my mind why doesn't the algorithm favor you it's because it's like oh you're you're giving people a reason to be on this thing you're promoting something that actually makes the average person the majority of the people on these apps be on these fucking apps but right. instead it's like nah you you know you posted at 12 you should be posting at 8 o'clock you know? <laughs> We ain't going to show nobody this shit. You know what I'm saying? We're going to show them two people who we know you know, and we're going to let it go. You know what I'm saying? But this random reel that you did that has nothing to do with the other five reels you've done before that were so highly produced, that's the one we're going to give the most looks to. (laughs) I'd be, I'm like, it is what it is. I can't be so attached to it because I've literally done things where I pulled out my camera, got my lights going, got a backdrop going, got all these things happening. I'm doing transcriptions and captions and da-da-da and this and that. And that one will get like a little bit of a look. Then let me do a quick 15-second voiceover uh, and just me breathing on camera, like on some meditative <laughs> shit. And that'd be the one that go crazy. Blows up. It's because you're and, fine. And, 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 <laughs> Thank you, but I mean, I'm fine. In, I'm fine in the. I'm fine in the intellectual shit too. I'm. I'm literally speaking into the camera with my with my face yeah, with my words. Visual people, and, and it's so it's so funny because like it's 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 wild. Intersectionality is insane, and I tell there's um one of my first clients' name is Jessica Domingo. She has a beautiful voice, and she's also fine. And so like. <laughs> There's like, I, t- I used to tell all the time, it's like, you got to use how fine you are sometimes too, because you if you want people to stream your music, like use what you got sometimes, you know? And, it's, mm-hmm. and that's why I tell people, it's like sometimes stuff blows up because, because of something else. Like mm-hmm. people are, humans are visual creatures. And of course there's going to be things that stimulate our mind and that's going to attract the people who you want to keep around. Yeah, but yeah. If, you're, if you're worried about like, boosting the virality is sometimes like sometimes it is going to be like you breathing on camera and you meditating and it's like and yeah it's because he's because he's fine um 
<laughs> and that's that's the sad that's the sad part about like just the vanity metrics of social platforms right mm-hmm. and yeah like what we what we talked about in the pre-interview when it, when it comes to using systems that don't depend on an algorithm um or even leaning into the portions of the platforms that do lean more into subscriptions like for example instagram rolled out the ability to now offer subscription services as creators if you have your creator profile on this can turn your content into things that are monetizable. So like for me, for example, um, because my reels have done well in the past, I get access to bonuses every single month that right now are like around $1,200. So like I've been challenging myself as like, okay, like I have a goal to hit $1,200 as a bonus per month. And I can see that as a guaranteed stream if I hit a certain amount of views, right? Mm -hmm. Granted, those views are 1.2 million if I have to hit that to get that 1200, but the goal is that if you're hitting that viewpoint, that means you're also increasing your follower account or you're increasing your engagement, you're meeting new people, your account's getting reached, right? They're trying to promote you to create more so you can get paid to create in that specific area which is reels, which is an encouraging learner new tool because they're trying to compete with TikTok because TikTok at the moment is not paying everybody who can have that ability to do so, right? Exactly. Not in that way. Yeah. YouTube, same thing. They pay even more for their shorts if you're able to get your shorts uh, to go viral on YouTube. Pick the platform that you really want to drive your content on to be consistent with, because if you can get that to be monetized, you can get, you can get paid sooner. Your podcast, for example, if you go on, um, if you are doing your, your podcast through Anchor, which is... I'm having to really consider my partnership with that because of Spotify's recent actions. But um mm-hmm. <laughs> but with Anchor, I'm glad I, I'm glad I never switched. <laughs> yeah, with Anchor, Anchor pays uh, their podcasters um, fifteen dollars per one thousand listens if yeah. you're using an Anchor ad off the yeah. jump, right? Yeah. That's the easiest way to monetize your podcast right now, which most folks don't even still don't know to this day. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, like. There's if you're starting out and you're wanting to figure out where can I put my most time, figure out where you're going to be the most consistent and start there. Because I don't have 10,000 followers yet, but I was still able to monetize my Instagram because I'm consistent, mm. right? There is a difference. There's a difference. And if you're able to use your tools as well as get into the Instagram help at account go to the help, the help section and say, hey, I don't access, have access to these features. You will get access to those features. You have to ask for help, quite literally. If you're a creator and you don't have the monetization features and you're posting content cons- uh, consistently, put in a request. Let Instagram know because they will reward you for that. You will get that through eventually. If you've been trying to get your account verified, every 90 days you have an opportunity to do it do it, especially if you're getting press on your account, right? If you're getting press in a name, if you're a public facing brand, find the things that are going to work out for you because yes, it's hard, but if you're consistent and you're putting work out, you can make it happen. Is there, what, is there any um, minimal requirements for the uh, Instagram uh, creator uh, fund? So the, for Instagram creators in specific, you can turn your creative feature on right when you start the profile account. Damn. So, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, definitely. Yeah. People, people so, gotta look. I, I think I feel like I checked. I feel like I checked that once I learned about that particular feature and had no, it was nowhere to be found. So I, so yeah. I, I had to take, I had to take that on to myself too. 
Yeah. So, so, I mean, back when we started, there was no creator account, right? The yeah. creator account feature was just added on a year and a half ago. Yeah. So, you know, we were dealing with, you either had a personal account or a business account. Now they have the creator feature because so many people during the pandemic were creating content and are becoming content creators and now live in these creator houses, right? There's a whole industry that got created literally in the last five years that got accelerated from the pandemic that now exists and people can get paid for just for creating their content in whatever niche they have, right? Yeah, yeah. So when you start your account, specifically on Instagram, you can make a creator account from the jump and start. Um, the actual minimums around what you have to hit, that I don't know. I do know that like typically it's around that like 10,000 reach is where you have that monetization area. Oh, I done did that. Exactly. Huh? I done did 10,000 reach plenty of times. Exactly. So the followers, the followers piece wise, yeah. um, for me, I got access to monetization at 7,000, but I also was like on Instagram's ass. I was in, I was in the help, right? And saying like, hey, I need access to these features. Hey, I heard about bonuses and things like that. I want access to that, right? Yeah. You have to, you have to be in that area. And now they do have an easy way for you to get access to that help feature, help feature if you go into your professional dashboard, mm-hmm. which if you click onto your profile, you can click on that and get access to everything creator, everything creator um, in that dashboard when it comes to what you need to be able to grow your creator account. Um, There was one more point when it came to monetization, but it let, okay, so yeah, so now you can use subscriptions. That feature is available. They put out bonuses for reels now. Whenever you hit that 10,000 follower area, that's when you'll have monetization consistently. IGTV is also, you can get ads through that. I have that turned on. So you can get ads through that once you get the monetization feature on. Mm. So it isn't necessarily the minimums. It's more about who are you reaching? Exactly. And how quickly are you reaching them and how consistently are you doing that? Because the algorithm recognized that first prior to you even get to getting to the followers piece. The followers are going to come, especially if you're putting out content consistently. Damn. See, 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 this is why we needed you. This is why we need to have this conversation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because you're giving out some game now, girl. You're giving out some game. The best thing about this whole pandemic, y'all, is that more and more people are really focusing on micro influencers, micro creators. Truly. You can have a whole lot of influence on 10,000 people if you have a platform of 10,000 people who are following your every single move, right? Yes. It's ridiculous. So focus on creating what you with what who you have. Appreciate who you have. <laughs> yeah, and same thing to new podcasters as well. I tell I tell new podcasters who want to you know get advice about starting a podcast and you know gaining particular um, just listenership and, and subscribers. Focus in on hundred and fifty people. Yeah. Focus in on a smaller number. And that way you can actually have a focus group. You can have people that you, you can fine tune your approach in solidifying people as advocates for your brand and for your podcast. That's what anybody would like. You don't want just people who just listen every now and again. You want them to also want to buy shit from you, want to mm-hmm. go and do the things that you suggest for them to do, go and do the call to actions that you tell them to do, but then also to continuously share with other people that they should come and do the same thing that you're already doing. That's real advocacy where you don't even, they don't, the episode don't even got to come out. It's like, oh, the people like myself and so many other people I know and for the folks who listen to my podcast, where I they come and they re, you know, re, uh, retell me stories of them bringing me up 
to other people about something that they said in conversation and something that I said on the episode of whenever and whenever it happened, that, that whatever I said was the best response to whatever this conversation was. And that's all every podcaster would love. If you keep bringing us up without us having to remind you to, only gaining more and more and more influence around everybody's everyday life, uh, no matter what it is, you know, no matter yeah. what the topic is. Because if you, you know, if you have whatever niche, it's going to work for whoever it works for. But focus in, don't think about having this meteoric splash where it's like as soon mm-hmm. as you come out, you need to be on the news and noteworthy page on uh, Apple Podcasts. You need to be ranking top on everything. You need to be ranking top in your categories and so on and so on and so forth. That's the only way you can really measure success. That's not how shit works. Trust me, there are plenty, plenty of other uh, major podcasts that have all the resources in the world, have a large network backing, have a whole all these signing bonuses and all this stuff, have a billboard in Madison and often like Madison Square Garden and Times Square and all these different things. And their podcast lasts a year. Mm-hmm. And it's because of their actual energy to it, like how they've yeah. been able to galvanize people and actually stay consistent with it. Because podcasting is still something you got to do. It's still work. It's not no mm-hmm. just cutesy thing that you can just make a lot of money from. You got to actually work it, work at it. And, it, and it's, it takes time to sit there and plan conversations and do all these particular things. And even if you are in a niche that you feel like you can talk about ad nauseum, it's still something that you got to break down and not and make interesting. Because to me, I feel like I'm in the I'm in a space where it makes the most sense because I feel like if I was a niche person, I wouldn't run out of ideas. I think where I put my where I put myself being a more of a, a a variety type of podcast gives me way more of a challenge because if I was just talking about uh, television and new and film or or something uh, some other thing that's just cultural, I could talk about that shit all day and I would never run out of ideas. Shows and things I could talk about a million different things, but I understand for the people who may not think that way, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it is what it is. But nevertheless, we got to get into it. Got to get into it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And consistency is key. Consistency is key, period. What do you, what do you, because you gave us so much. You gave me so much. I'm so sorry. I feel like. You gave me so much. You're going to, like, leave with, like, all of the papers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what would you say is the one thing that you realized that made you have a better, what was the, what, what's the thing that you kind of consistently tell yourself? Cause I assume that social media can burn you out and all these various mm-hmm. things. What do you do to stay grounded in staying and creating and contributing to social media and your other strategies to promote your business? Hmm. So I think for me, something that I've really appreciated about the way that I have approached my social media, especially in the last year, is that I lean heavy into storytelling. So mm. whether I'm talking about my own business or not, I've all, I've realized that because my business is associated to my personal brand, it depends on me talking about what I'm doing and talking about how I'm showing up or when I don't want to show up at all and when I want to take a break and communicating that as well, right? Um, yeah. And that's just for the personal brand piece. And I, for me, because I am such a storyteller, what has helped me not like burn completely out and I have burned out like once or twice in this process, like completely. Mm. And that was honestly tied to depression. 
which I didn't know until I am now on antidepressants. And I'm like, holy crud, I was depressed. <laughs> and I was not happy. Um, is making sure that one, I'm choosing what is best for me and my yeah. kids and my family. Come on first, now. Right? So yeah. like, what boundaries can I put in place that serve me and serve us so that way we can thrive, right? Yeah. That's been a big thing I've learned this year. Two, um, how am I reclaiming my time? Mm. Not just from social media. But Come on, Maxine. Everybody. Tell them about it, like, Maxine. I'm Maxine Waters. Like, how am I reclaiming my time? Yeah. How am I reclaiming my time and where am I using it? So for example, like content can literally be created and inspired from everything, right? True. I didn't realize that people would love my dance content until I started sharing my dance content. And then all of a sudden it was like, holy shit, you can dance. It's like, yes, I can dance. And no, I can uh, very, I can, very well. <laughs> thank you. Yes. Uh, yeah, thank you. Um but I was, I'm able to now communicate what I'm feeling via words and then show it through dance. Mm -hmm. And that started hitting people in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. And the storytelling piece that comes from that is a way that I can now incorporate into film projects, which I got, I, I landed in what this past October, I, I was in a short film, which is super cool, right? Because yeah. of the way that I storytell, right? Um, it can lead into opportunities like this it can lead into whatever it may be right um but i wouldn't have known that unless i actually shared that oh i take dance classes on mondays and, and other days of the week right mm -hmm. you can be taking walks in the park you can take time for yourself and just like pull out your camera we our phones are where is mine see look at this our phones are so powerful we carry around the most powerful tool in our pockets every single day and most of the time we just end up in the back of our pockets you could be recording a voice note and, and pull that into a podcast right save exactly. your voicemails from people or use it in a, in, a, in a music recording um write the poems that we write in our notes like save those things screenshot text messages there are so many things that you can take to pull and create content from and it's our everyday life and people want to see real so bad right now because they have no idea what it looks like and for me what grounds me is that it doesn't matter whether i think i'm the most boring person on the planet there's somebody out there who appreciates me and that's that that's been a hard thing to like really sit with because i felt unappreciated for so long mm. in my marriage and in in my family in so many ways right i felt so unappreciated but like realizing that like hey there's one person who appreciates me there's one person who appreciates the work that i do there's yeah. one person i left the impact on today that like grounds me i don't have to change the world i changed one person that's dope mm. Yeah, I ain't know you already you already took me Tyler Perry. Now you going, now you getting now you going to like a uh, even deeper, mo like motivational like Tony Robbins ass uh, area oh, things. Oh no! Don't compare me to Tony. No, <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't you're getting do that. you're getting no. deep. You're getting deep is what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> very deep, and, and I, I need to I need to hear things like this myself because um that's what keeps it going. Like so many people talk about consistency. And that is the exact thing that makes you motivated to keep doing what you do. You know, it's like knowing for a fact, getting that validation from just one person, um, knowing that they are depending on this and being inspired by you. They're creating from the things that you create from um, yeah. that shit. That shit really moves you because it's like, damn, like nobody could like this. 
I could put out shit every damn week and nobody care to listen. Nobody care to share. Nobody care to talk about it or never starts conversation or any of those things. And uh, but the fact that it does, I got to be thankful. You know, I got to be really, really, truly thankful for that. And um, and I get it. I get that shit. I get that shit wholeheartedly because I know I it always comes to me like every once in a while, <laughs> like every every once in a while where I'm like really in a funk, really like, man, no, I don't care about this shit the way I feel like they should. Because I mm-hmm. think that's the, 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 the crazy thing that comes into your head when you know that you've improved. You feel the improvement in yourself. You feel the improvement in your strategy, in your business and whatever it is that you're doing. But you feel like something's just not clicking out in the world. Feel right. like you're outputting so much, but feel like you're not getting enough in the in return. Um, and then somebody lets you know, like, "Hey, I'm so glad I met you. I needed you for this, or whatever, whatever." And and now, honestly, that's a that's a hell of a validating thing. So kudos to you for at least mm. inspiring one. You know what I'm saying? Um, at, at bare minimum, because everything else is just overflow after that. You know, after that, for um, real, look, you you for real may have no idea, like. Like I mentioned earlier, you could you could full blown be doing what you're doing for years and then you end up in a job interview somewhere or something with a massive company and they've been watching your work for years or someone that works for that company has been watching your work for years and referred you to a position, right? Yeah. You never know who's watching. You don't. Keep keep showing up. Keep showing up. Keep showing up as the beautiful, gorgeous, intelligent, loving, kind, passionate human that you are. Because if if you're not showing that level of compassion, that kindness, that empathy, that intelligence, that knowledge, who's going to? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I think, I think more than anything, it's it's great that, you know, that you are uh, a success story in that where you and you're actively assisting others in um and helping them get out their own way. And I think the people who are in their own way in their own heads the most <laughs> are certainly creatives. Um because there's so much thinking going around. There's so much pressure into making the impossible possible, making mm-hmm. the imaginary reality. And so I under, I've always been able to understand and have a true true space and make space not only from being a creative myself, but I feel like being a very uh, a creative with a particular skill um, yeah. because I feel like I can speak both languages. And I think you do, too, in terms mm-hmm. of understanding business, but also understanding, you know, why creatives motivate are motivated the way they're motivated and why it seems unconventional at times for people. You know, I had to learn a really large lesson from, you know, in college, just trying my best to, like, get people who are, had creative uh, skills paid. I'm like, look, I'll be the mouthpiece and I'm going to figure out ways for you to, you know, be able to do this design oh, work, be man. able to do this, be able to do that. And I was working it. I'm talking about, I'm talking to people, I'm, I'm pitching them to all these different types of folks and they are not coming through with these deadlines. They are not coming through with all these things. I'm like, I'm getting you money. I'm getting you paid out here. How are you not doing the things? And then you realize like, well, they're not motivated by money. Mm-hmm. They're really, truly not. They're motivated by doing the best thing they can do that fulfills them. Fulfillment is more than is the biggest thing. Like, how can I get a better paintbrush? How can I use a use a better technique for software? How can I get a better system to be able to create even broader, even bigger, even grander things? 
you know, new fabrics, new stitching techniques, whatever your, you know, creative form is, you want to find a way to be fulfilled in those things. I know for me, mm-hmm. I, if it was up to me, the the way that my whole situation would be crazy different. You know what I'm saying? I have lights hanging in this motherfucker. I'll be able to push buttons and make shit swing around. And mics coming from every which direction. Got got sounds and, and horns and buzzers and all types of shit. You know what I'm saying? I can quickly pull up something. Music coming in. I could probably make a little taste of music just so I can do my own thing. So I'll be I'll be I'll be having to have to rip so much uh like royalty intro, free like music. Podcast intro I made it so I get that. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like yeah. I, I be it, it would be so different if there were no barriers and you could just be as creative as you want to be and somebody was like look tell give me a list of what you need and I'll go get it. Um mm. that's what would motivate a lot of creatives a lot more but I also understand the business side of things. I know how to like bring things out of the clouds and bring and bring them to the ground and be like, hey, I understand you wanted a giraffe, but how about this? We can get a horse. <laughs> <laughs> like we can we can get a horse though. Horse is kind of cheap. Giraffes not. Horses though. Mm? Okay. Mm. That's a good, you know, good common ground. But you know, to each his own, to each his own. Um, Absolutely. Let me let me get back to get back to the outline. You you taking this all over. I like it though. Um, you taking this all yeah, over the place, I and I love apologize. it. No, 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 I love it. That's how that's how I like because I feel like it's still in line of what I needed it to be. Um, I would say uh, the last two things is um, one thing is you know there's a lot of offline work that happens. Oh yeah, there's a lot of things that happen under you know behind the scenes that people don't see that people don't understand. And I really want people to not because uh, I feel like very often people speak to the end result. Or how they started. It was like, I was mm-hmm. a, a lowly nine to five desk worker. And then I started and I just had the, the thing to change. And now here I am. I own a million dollar business. I do this. I do that. And I can help you. You know, that bullshit. It's like, yeah. no, people really need to know the in-between. People need to really understand. the Like, there needs to be way more emphasis on process than just the uh, the duration and the beginning and the end. You know, to, to attract people to what it is. I understand that's probably the best hook. But in reality, once people start getting into it and realizing like, hold on, this is going to take me how long? It's going to mm-hmm. be, I got to do what now? Instead, you can package that differently, package the process differently. Because in reality, in the reality of it is, we're in the aspect of transition and in process longer than we are in the beginning and the end. You know, yeah. we're, we're truly in process way longer than both of those stages. And even when you get to the end, that may be your new beginning to a whole new phase. So Oof. it's just so it's kind of like you're always in transition. You always are in process. You always are progressing out of one thing and, and progressing into a new thing, you know, becoming going from, you know, student, such and such, such and such to now student, mother, business owner, trying to find, you know, out here in, out here in the world to continuously just adding on new roles, new hats that you as your life and you as a professional person are wearing. And that's yeah. literally starting a whole new journey simultaneously while you're in the midst of a whole another one. Um, yeah. And those things change and transform and the, maturate, and the maturation of those things are really crazy, you know? But I want to know, what are some of the things that you feel like you do that offline that have truly helped you put yourself in a position to continuously being ready for the opportunities that kind of come in front of you. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is, I love this question because I was, I was thinking about, for example, how you were saying, you know, 
even endings can be new beginnings, right? My next book is a, my second poetry book. It's my first full collection. It's quite literally called This Book Doesn't Have a Happy Ending because it's about divorce and divorce during quarantine, right? And when I started my divorce process last year, I'm going to get to your question. I promise this. This is going to lead to me. <laughs> no, I love a tangent. Go crazy. <laughs> when I started my divorce process last year, I had a realization that I wasn't happy. I loved my business, but my business could not survive the way that it was because it was taking so much time away from my family and I. Mm. Um, I was depressed. I was, I feel like unfulfilled in a lot of different ways, even though on the outside looking in, it looks successful. It looks like six figure business. It looks like pull itself out of homelessness. It looks like all these things, right? Internally though, I'm having to hold all this stuff together, wearing all the hats, being mom, being business owner, being sole breadwinner, bring all these things, right? Um, and then on top of that, it's like, well, shoot, like my love life is actually failing right now. And I could have done better in so many other ways to make sure that things didn't fall apart. And I did it and I have to own that. And so a lot of the offline work for me has involved quite literally looking at where did I go wrong? Mm. What did I fuck up at? Mm. What can I own better? Where mm. can I, where can I apologize? Mm. How can I tackle the things that make life really uncomfortable? Like finances, for example, people don't want like to talk about money. They don't like to talk about finances. They don't like talking talk about debt, right? I got a lot of student debt, even with being successful as a business owner, right? People don't like talking about the fact that you could own a six-figure business, but then be taking home five figures after business expenses. Mm. Or if you have kids and then you got to pay taxes and then you got to pay childcare and everything else you do it. And then she'll still try to survive. They don't like talking about that. I like talking about it because it then brings into perspective that, okay, I need to budget better. I'm a single mom now. So like I have to budget every single dollar that goes every single place. And especially in business it's made me look at my systems even harder and say, okay, what offers can, that are live? Can I no longer show up live for? What needs to start becoming evergreen and passive? What needs to be taken off the shelf and reworked and combined into a package that can be sold at a no-brainer price that yeah. can help people really yeah. efficiently, right? Um, what can I do that's really community-driven and can be done in a workshop style versus just one-on-one, -on -one, right? What can I do when it comes to one-on-one -on -one services and when can I offer that? And when am I offering it so it doesn't take time away from my family? Yeah. Right? How much am I charging an hour to where it actually feels like I can give that entire hour without have, without feeling like I have to push anything else or push selling all those spots out, mm. right? What am I actually spending my money on every single month? Looking at your life, personal and business and auditing the shit out of what is going on. Because if you don't know where your stuff is going, you don't know where you're going to go, Oof. period. You don't know where you're going at all, honey. And I swear to you, I like the last year for myself, I've had to look at everything. I've had to like do like the biggest deep dive of every single asset of my life and look at my marriage, my family, my health, my wealth, my journey, my business, my education, my, my career, 
and say, okay, like what is not serving me and what do I need to get rid of and how can I be better? Because my kids can't see me like this. Right. My kids have saw me on my couch depressed and I, and I, and I'm supposed to be successful, right? This isn't success. This is dread. Uh Uh-uh. No, we're not going to do life like that. So you have to like take the behind the scenes time to actually audit what systems you're using. Some suggestions. Um, I use, this is something I wish I would have done earlier, much, much earlier in my business. But like I said, a lot of my success came because I was stupid. So um, I um, really recommend having a system that for me, and this is just my personal opinion, is all in one. So anything that can cover your marketing, anything that can cover your website, anything that can cover your processing fees, um, your CRM, your course holder, all of that. So I use Kajabi and I love using Kajabi because I was, I've been able to keep all of my courses, my programs, my coaching program. I've been getting, I've been getting asked for Kajabi. I've been getting asked for Kajabi. Maybe that's a sign. I got codes. In fact, on Twitter, on- 222, they have a 60-day code coming out. And I don't know when this is coming out. I probably should have said that out loud. But they have a code for 60 days coming out that I will send you. And it opens up on the 22nd of February. So I'll send that to you. Okay. It's 60 days free. You can test it out. Okay, um, yeah, I'm going to definitely do that. Yeah. Because I got I got, but, a handful, I got a handful of, like, things that I'm, I'm thinking to package up. Right. So, like, so there's a couple of things that I would say do if you have if you have certain aspects of things, right? So, if you know you want to build courses and you're going to have digital products, Kajabi is for you. If you're doing client work and you and you're trying to manage and automate workflows and client work, I would recommend HoneyBook. HoneyBook is the most inclusive CRM in the in the market. Period. Mm. They have done a ton of work when it comes to making sure diversity, equity, inclusion, anti-racism is actually the foundation of their business. Come on. Yes. And then on top of that, their interface is gorgeous and it's directly made for creatives. So I'm a, I'm a HoneyBook educator. I use both HoneyBook and Kajabi in my business because I do both, um, custom services when it comes to like content creation and strategy and marketing and coaching and things like that and corporate work. And then I have my courses and everything that I handle that and for Kajabi and all of that. Right. And so I use both. If your business is not doing both, you do not need both systems. Do not spend money on both systems. If your business doesn't need both systems. Yeah. Just like you shouldn't be spending money on a link tree. If you're using Canva and spending Canva every single month for Canva pro, and you can just put a Canva link in your link in bio. Just like you shouldn't be giving MailChimp any money because that MailChimp is whack. Like there's just there's so many, there's so many options when it comes to systems that you use. And so doing, and this is another stuff that's going to take a lot of time. Do your due diligence and in looking into the services that actually one, pay mine to their customers, two, are aligned with their values, and three, will save you some coins because you don't need to be spending a whole bunch of money on all these different services and all these different things because all the, all the gurus said do that. When you need to look at how can I get the best bank for my buck and make this work for me and automate it the best way that I possibly can, while also serving my clients and my customers the best way that I can too, mm, right? Yeah. Audit your life, audit your systems, and then audit your offers. Look at your actual offers and say, does this make sense to serve and to do? Am I creating this for me because I want to do it? Or am I creating it because my customers and my clients said they wanted it for me? What does my community want? Do your market research. Ask deeper questions. Learn about who your community actually is. All the way down to the demographics. 
learn about their race, their identities, their sexuality, their gender. And then after you learn all of those things, learn about the oppression they carry, the privilege they may have, and what their experiences are. You wouldn't even know that people in Ukraine are oppressed people unless you knew what's happening in Ukraine and Russia right now, right? Word. You know? That's true. So it's like, it's it's like take the time to to figure out what's happening in the world and what's happening to people because even in your own community, marginalization happens. And if we're serving all our people, that means looking at all of the ways that they're oppressed too, and all the ways that we carry privilege also. Mm. That's it. That's my tension. That's my rant. I love that. That was good. See, see, that's why I don't cut off rants. You know what I'm saying? I let it. I let it happen because. It's, it's it's always a lot of you know what I'm saying it's a lot of meat in there it's some some meat some gems you know what I'm saying some food for thought a lot of different things you know yeah. a lot of different names for things I appreciate yeah, that you, you told me if I could like actually wrap that up with like yeah the, the book of my books ends with this and it and it wraps the end because there is no such thing as a happy ending you constantly have to do the work that I should have said that but I forgot so. no 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 that's all good that's all good yeah to, to make notes make notes make notes because that's good that's some good shit girl. Some good shit. Um, but no, um, the last the last uh, segment of my podcast is something that I like to call my send it on portion of the episode. And uh, behind both of our voices right now, you'll hear the soulful instrumental of Send It On by D'Angelo. I'm not sure if you can hear it through. Uh, I can. You can? Yeah. It's good, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it still chuckles. It still makes me chuckle, too. It's been years. Nevertheless. Um, it's my call to action segment, giving the people something to do, giving them something actionable so that they can, you know, improve, be the solution, whatever it is. And my call to action to you, which I feel like you've kind of already given me in so many ways, in so many ways, you've already given us so many things. So I feel like I need to reframe it, re- like change it how I want to get, serve it up to you because you gave out so many gems. Uh, what would you say? Out of all the things you haven't, you know, think about the one thing that you haven't said that's a truly a best practice for uh, creatives, for business owners, as it pertains to your online presence. Um, oh, my God. As it pertains to your online presence. Mm-hmm. You said a lot, so I get it. I know. That's why I'm like, I feel like I said so much already. You did. Good. Because like I, because I, I, if it just pertains just to like in general, please have multiple income streams. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, okay, that's good. I think that's decent. I don't, I, don't, I think you said it, but that's yeah, that's a good one to, to throw back on. Yeah, like I, I, I know that that, and I don't, I don't think that has anything to do with online presence per se, but it more just has like a best practice in general. Like when I, when I look at the three years of that I've been in this facet of business. I've been doing online business and levels of business at this point for six now, right? So um, (laughs) please have more than one income stream. Like don't just depend on your business. Look at your business and then your savings. And then if you have a part-time job or a full-time job, look at that too. Look at your investments. Look at um, and my business whenever the month of August is always slow for me so I literally have an August fund that I have money just sitting in so that whenever sales slow down I can still pay my bills look at doing emergency funds in your business look at um, oh my goodness ways you can build more passive income mm-hmm. 
look at ways you can showcase yourself. That's the online presence piece that shows that you can speak, that you can communicate your words because whether it's written or verbal, people want to hear your story. Word. Right? Word. And read, you, you read me now. I might need to hush you up. You're reading me. People want to hear your story. They want to hear your story. You can be a mystery all you want, but they want to hear your story. They want to know about you. You can't hide behind. You don't hide behind a camera at all, but like they want to know more about you. And and I I know I mentioned this earlier, but like storytelling for me has been the biggest piece of success because people feel like they know me and it builds trust. Yeah. That's true. That's true. And the reason why I say I'm feeling red is because I think there are certain efforts and things that I feel like I it took me a long time to start to realize to uh, to sell myself more. You know, I think mm-hmm. I was so gung ho and attached to my coming out into the into the industry of just an online digital creative being like. Once I start this podcast, motherfuckers gonna fuck with my, you know, opinions and da da da, and the guests that I bring on, and that's what's gonna do it, you know. But it's like, uh, but my friends and so many people who know me well, uh, always like wanted to, always gave me that as a advice. Like, yes, I know you, I like your podcast. It feels like we literally have podcasts every time we have conversation. <laughs> but you need to sell you more, you know. Yes. Like you are, you are way like. People who might not even never heard your podcast would just be interested in you as an individual. Um, it was mm-hmm. like you've, you've influenced me to do a whole bunch of random shit, you know, um, and that's that's something to sell up to. You know, you're a great speaker. You can do these things. You have these particular uh, extracurricular talents that people probably don't know shit about that you just ne- no one could ever know if they never know, you know, um, and I get that. And I hear my friends and I feel like I'm getting out my own way when it comes to that, you know. Uh, just by, you know, being, presenting me more and trying to, you know, reduce the amount of mystery that I think I present at times. Um, mm. But nevertheless, I think we did a thing. I think we did a thing. We did a thing, VP. We did a thing, damn it. Look, look, King, let me read you. <laughs> we okay. Did, we did a thing. We did a thing. We did a thing. I, I appreciate you so much for giving me your time. Um, Likewise, I, I'm glad that you know. Shout out to Mel McCherry um, for you know for for linking us up. I feel like you know we were already following each other, so it's probably going to happen anyway. I told Mel, I was like, Mel, you fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> you fucked up bringing us together. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know it, it is what it is. I ain't mad at her. You know what I'm saying? I ain't yeah. mad at her. And um, but I really do appreciate because I appreciate the you know, the, the consultation that she gave me that day and, and the fact that uh, the impression that we made on each other led her to want to just push me out and to uh, meet other people that she really is fond of as well. I love that. And I can't wait for her to see this and be proud to see like what 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 continuously networking and pushing and utilizing your network in a very active sense. is something to, uh, it's something that we all can do more of. Because uh, that's how you really create an ecosystem. Shouldn't be, uh, should it ever be a reason why you feel like you don't have what you need if you're not actively out here increasing and making your network uh, valuable. You know, it's like, oh, you need a guy for, you need a guy for that. You need, a, you need a woman for that. You need a person for this. Gotcha. You know, um, that's what I am. My friends call me the great connector because of that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I get it. I get that. Uh, and podcasting, trust me, has definitely availed me to be 
able to like have a lot of motherfuckers on call, which is great. It's a beautiful resource to have. Uh, but nevertheless, um, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, please, please let everyone know how they can, you know what I'm saying, put some cookies in your cookie jar, put some money in your piggy bank. You feel me? Let the folks know how they can finally keep up with you, buy a course, give you money, do the things. You feel me? Not the cookies, the cookies are. Oh, that are, oh, that movie. Where is that movie? God. What movie? What movie? Uh oh, oh, uh, what's his name? There's a line in the, in the movie. Oh, I think Angela um Bassett is in it because he's like, uh, do you want the cookie in the cookie jar? She was like, boy, I would break your cookie in half. I just that <laughs> that just made me think about that. Cookies in the cookie, uh, and this was Angela Bassett. Yes, you. Have a, what is it? is it called? Dynamite? What is it called? Cookies in the cookie jar. Damn. I don't remember that one. This movie is it's like a it's like a play on black exploitation. It came out in like two thousand whatever. We'll, we'll have to figure it out later, but it's hilarious. Oh, you talking about Black Dynamite? Black Dynamite. Black Dynamite. Black Dynamite. That was Ange- I don't think Angela Bassett was, was in that. Angela Bassett. I don't think Angela Bassett was in that. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think Angela Wait. Bassett was in that. I want to say that it was. Um, yeah, no, because that, that that's uh. No, that's definitely. If you're talking about the film came out in 2009, and uh, no, not Black Dynamite. I'm talking about um, God, what what that comedian that's in it? What's if, his name? Which which one? A, I think it's a few comedians in it. No, oh, honey, you okay? The main character. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, the main character is Black Dynamite. It was no. My, Michael Jai White. It's not Cat Williams. Damn. Hold on. I'm conf- oh, are you talking about Boondocks, maybe? No, honey. I don't know. You said jar. cookies in the cookie jar. Yes. I, I would break you in half. Yes. Uh, I break your cookie in half. Um. Oh, my God. Break your cookie in half. I couldn't believe she said that because he was trying to hit on her. Was it, was it, was it, was it Black Dynamite or am I no, all the way off? it's not Black Dynamite. See, I don't know. So what's, the, so what's, what else is the movie about? I can, I can probably figure it He's out. He's a spy. He's a super spy. A super spy. And they spy. hire him to, to go undercover with these white, uh, with white people. Oh, you're talking about Undercover Brother. <laughs> and it was not, it was not Angela Bassett. Shout out to Ajanu Ellis. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yes, uh, sister girl was her. Uh, <laughs> yes. Shout out to her. Uh, shout out to her that came out in two thousand two. Um, yeah, Anjanu Ellis, and I believe she just got her first uh, Oscar um, nomination. Yeah. So shout out to her for uh, playing um, uh, Venus Rita's mother. Mother. Uh, um, yes. She did. A, she did a hell of a job. She read shot him. It was good. Ooh. It was good. Um, she's, but she's been amazing. She always kills. It's a million like bad movies she's been in where she's the only good thing in it. You know, and, um, and that movie is is pretty bad. It's hilarious. It's pretty bad. But oh, it's you, oh, you're talking about Undercover Brother? It's it's yeah. it's one of them. It's one of them. It's a it's a it's a high budget piece of mess for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you could tell you could tell it was like y'all put a lot of money into this, you know. Um, but. We on a tangent and we can go on forever, but we this, go forever. I'm is, so sorry. No, no, this is cool. It's cool. It's cool. You do you look. This is this is what it's for. Um, but no, um uh 
Well, no, you you still gotta you gotta tell them how to follow you. That's what we gotta. That's what oh, we was I'm doing. So sorry. That's what we was doing. I'm like, I'm like, where was we? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. No, you fine. You it's staying in. That's good. That's character. That's character. They need to know you. They need to know the real VP. So tell them how they can follow you, VP. Oh, that <laughs> Okay, so um, you can find me at the VP Wright. That's T H E V as in Victoria, P as in Pearl, uh, Wright. W-R-I-G-H-T, and that's all of my handles on all social media. I'm most active on Instagram um, and my website as well, uh, com, And that's where I'm the most active. I do have a YouTube channel and everything, but you can find that, honestly, via my website or Instagram. Hey, hey. And you can find all the links to get straight to VP right in the description of this. Uh, something that I'm going to start doing and I'm going to continue to say this throughout also within the links of my YouTube page, as well as uh, any of anywhere you're streaming this from. You'll qu- I'm going to curate any of my guests who have uh, especially if they have like published books and things like that, I'm creating a list, a quick list of all of my guests who have books that are for purchase on Amazon. Um, so go ahead, tap that link. You know what I'm saying? Go ahead, yeah. tap that link. It's steadily growing. I'm gonna put previous, uh, some of my previous guests on there. The idea just came to me like literally last week when I had a guest on who was, who was literally about to publish like his third book, uh, and I just realized like, damn, I'm literally am interviewing a bunch of people who have books. Feel like I'm getting read again. Must be a sign. <laughs> Nevertheless, if you don't know, you should know. You can follow. Link coins. You know what I'm saying? If you don't know, you should know. Uh, you can follow me everywhere at the Simply King Podcast uh, on Facebook, Simply King Pod on IG. You can follow me at everywhere at Kings underscore Memoirs on all social media platforms. Uh, I'm, I'm most active on Instagram. Uh, I like that. I'm gonna have to take that one. But I really, but I had the most fun on Twitter. That's how I'm gonna say that. Uh, <laughs> nevertheless. Uh, make sure that you also follow my uh, business page at Life is King on IG and check out all of my services in the realm of digital marketing as well as creative production at lifeisking.com. Let's get into it. Let me create with you. Um, make sure that you uh, tap in, share this shit, like this shit and comment and make sure that you hit that subscribe button no matter where you're listening or watching this from. Appreciate it. Welcome all comments. Welcome all vibes. Appreciate y'all so much. This has been the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for humans, simply being humans. I've been Rodney Perry, also known as King. This has been Victoria Pearl Wright. (laughs) And this has been Simply King. Peace. (laughs) 